0: Yeah, thank you. Hey everyone, thank you. And uh, I've really enjoyed it so far with you guys. I know we're almost at the end and it's just like that. And what I've been hoping so far is that, um, that I've been able to give you uh, something or, or show you something about God that maybe inspires you. Um, But life isn't all inspiration, and um, if we're going to be really serious about life and and, um, kind of deep thinkers and all that kind of thing, then we have to also think about some pretty sad stuff, some stuff that's kind of depressing, and so I want to start off with a bit of a serious and and sad question, which is this. What breaks your heart? Actually, um, is it? Oh, it's not plugged in. There we go. What breaks your heart? You know, what's the thing that uh, really makes you feel really down, what's the thing that keeps you up at night, or, are we good? What's the thing that really breaks your heart? Now, when you look at your own life, you might see stuff there. And I'm gonna name a couple of those things and and talk a little bit about them. Uh, One of those things that for some people really breaks their heart when they look at their own life is this thing of guilt, and guilt, put really simply, is when we think to ourselves, I don't like what I did. I did something that was wrong, that I shouldn't have done, and I don't like what I did, and that's a reality for all of us, really, at some point in our lives, in fact, probably a lot of times in our lives, we're gonna do stuff that we're not proud of, and we're gonna feel guilt. We're gonna feel like, I don't like what I did. I regret it, but it's not just guilt there's something else that's kind of related, and it goes a bit deeper, and it's called shame. And shame is a little bit different to guilt. They go together, but, see, guilt says, I don't like what I did. Shame says, I don't like who I am. See, that's that's even deeper still. So guilt is like, uh, I made a mistake. Shame says, I am a mistake. And guilt says, I did something wrong, And shame says there's something wrong with me. Shame goes really, really deep and maybe you feel a bit of guilt and maybe you even feel shame. You don't really like who you are. And when you think about life and what breaks your heart, that's it. And maybe it's not just your own life, but maybe it's when you look out at other people's lives, people around you, people on the news and that kind of thing, and you see things there that break your heart and maybe it's something like this. Starving children breaks your heart or maybe it's war and violence, maybe it's disease and death and illness. What breaks your heart? It's gonna be different for all of us and yet I think we can all relate that life can be really, really, really tough sometimes. It can be heartbreaking. And if we get heartbroken, then God gets really, really heartbroken because this is his world. And remember how much he cares about each and every one of us. He was knitting us together in our mother's wombs. God has been watching us our whole lives. We're made in the image of God. And so when God looks around and sees all these sort of shattered image bearers and all the pain and suffering and the heartbreaking stuff that goes on, then guess what? God's heart is broken too. And it's a big problem. You know, we all experience it in our own lives, but we know that it's so much bigger than us. It's something that seems to be going on everywhere. There's just heartbreak everywhere. And God has got to do something about it. And we learned this morning that God wants to do something about it because even though we're God's image bearers, but we're shattered or we're we're sort of not reflecting God the way we should or originally intended to, Like those two dollar coins, even though we may be kind of uh, marred, you know, trashed in some way, to God we never lose our inherent value. So for God, he doesn't want to just turn his back on us. He wants to come up with a solution to all the heartbreak, all the brokenness, all the suffering. But it's a God-sized problem. And a God-sized problem needs a God-sized solution. This is not the kind of thing we can just click our fingers. It's not the kind of thing that we can just kind of come up with three easy little points and everything solved. This is a big, huge problem that goes beyond the power of any single human being to fix. That's why I say it's a God-sized problem, and it takes a God-sized solution. And that's what we're going to be focusing on tonight, is what is this God-sized solution? And the answer in a word is, is Jesus. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about tonight about this Jesus. You've heard him before, or heard, of it, heard him mentioned at least, this camp. And maybe you know a lot about Jesus, maybe you don't know a lot. You could be sort of somewhere in between. But I'm going to try and give you like a little bit of a summary of what Jesus' life is about, because this is really why we're here. And if we can grasp this, then I think we've understood something really important about who God is and what he's doing in the world. So a couple of thousand years ago, there was this guy, Jesus, changed the world. And Jesus, we believe, was not only a human, he was a human, but Jesus was also God, like God in the flesh, God taking on humanness. And that is mind-blowing. I agree with you. It's mind-boggling. But remember what we said this morning. Humans are made in the image of God. That means that we're like God in ways that nothing else in the rest of the world is. That means that God can become a human and still be God. And that's Jesus, God as a human. And Jesus came and he had a, a message. And his message was about the kingdom of of God. The kingdom of God. Now, kingdom, uh, we often talk about in terms of, it's sort of like a little bit like a country or an empire where a king reigns. So a kingdom has a king, somebody who's in charge. And remember this morning, we were talking about countries where there are statues and, and coins of rulers and all that sort of thing. That's a little bit like kingdom. And Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God, and he was saying the kingdom of God is coming. Now you might be thinking, What well what does that mean? Kingdom of God. I mean, it's sort of a, a sort of a weird thing. Well, he's saying this way of living, this reality, where God is in charge. Because when we look around at the world, there's so much going on that that God doesn't want for us that breaks God's heart. The kingdom of God is where what God wants is what happens, where what God says is is what happens, and that's a place where life is perfect, where there's none of that heartbreak, nothing that makes you sad, nothing that makes you cry, none of that stuff that we talked about over this weekend that can get us down. All that's gone, and, and Jesus was saying this is a new kind of way of living, a new reality, a kingdom of God where God is in charge. It's coming, and you need to be a part of it. You see, kingdoms, they have citizens. Kingdoms have people who are part of of that kingdom. And Jesus was not only saying this is coming, but you can be a part of this, you can be a citizen of this kingdom. And Jesus not only talked about it, he lived it. He wanted to show people with his lives what this kingdom actually looked like. So all those people like Punchinello, who were covered from head to toe in in those dots, he came and and he told them, you're God's. And all the people who were, uh, had bodies that uh, were diseased or they had disabilities that were affecting their life in significant ways, he came and he healed them. And all the people who uh, felt like they were invisible, that, that no one ever saw them, no one really cared, that they could just disappear and, and no one would be bothered, Jesus saw them and befriended them and loved them and all the people who, who knew that their, the image of God, their ability to reflect God and who God is was really shattered, that they'd made big mistakes. You know, they were the kind of people who had guilt and shame. Jesus forgave them. See, Jesus was showing us all what it looks like to be a part of this kingdom. And Jesus was also showing us what it's like to be the true image of God and reflect God perfectly. See, in Jesus, we see what we were meant to be. Now, it sounds kind of nice on paper, but how did it actually go down? Well, what Jesus said wasn't always popular. And initially, he got a big following, People were going after Jesus and really felt like they loved what he was saying and and people were turning and, and wanting to be a part of the kingdom of God and get on board with what Jesus was doing and what God was doing in the world. But eventually, there was a huge opposition to Jesus as well. They felt very threatened by this kingdom of God. You see, there are people on earth who they want their own kingdom for themselves. They want things to stay as they are. And they want to stay in charge. And those kind of people, they were threatened by Jesus. They were threatened by this idea that God was coming in and the kingdom of God was arriving. And so they sought to do away with Jesus. And this is a big part of what we remember at Easter time. And so I want to show you on a video clip what happened to Jesus. You may know this symbol. It's a symbol that we most commonly associate with Christianity. We call it the cross. But in Jesus' time, this uh, was primarily just known as a way of executing people, a way of killing people. And uh, today, in parts of the world where people are executed, they use an electric chair or lethal injection or something like that. And it would be like looking at an electric chair, looking at a cross. You see, this was a way of, of executing somebody and that's what happened to Jesus. Jesus was executed. See, people, some people were threatened by the kingdom of God. They didn't want to be a part of it. They wanted to keep things as it was where they were in charge. And so they killed Jesus. Now, this means a couple of things. Cheers, thank you. This means a couple of things. One, I think it means when we think about the fact that Jesus died on the cross, it means that God is with us in our pain. You see, I suppose maybe God could have fixed things some other way. I mean, I don't really know. But the fact is, this is Jesus was God as a person. And instead of clicking his fingers or something like that, Jesus was willing to feel the, something of the pain that we feel as humans sometimes. I mean, he felt something of the shame. This was a really shameful way to die in that culture. And so if you're somebody who feels shame or any kind of pain, God knows what that's like. He experienced that in Jesus. So that's one thing the cross means. It means that God knows what it's like to hurt. And it means that those times where you felt all alone and you've been sad, God has been with you in that, and you've cried. God has cried with you too. God knows what it's like to hurt. The cross means even more than that. You see, the cross, and this is kind of a mysterious thing. It's not something that we can completely wrap our heads around, but the Bible teaches that in some way when Jesus died on the cross, Jesus was carrying sort of the weight of, of all the garbage in the world, all the evil, all the suffering, all the brokenness in the world, all the stuff that breaks our hearts and breaks God's heart, Jesus was carrying on the cross, and it was part of God's fix-it job. It was part of the way God was healing the world and healing us, and that's what the cross means. It's pretty tragic stuff because we live in a tragic world. It's heartbreaking stuff because we live in a heartbreaking world, but the story doesn't end there. In fact, that's only half the story. So I want to show you what happened next. By the way, before we watch this, one thing to understand is Jesus had a band of friends or followers, and at the last minute, they all all deserted him to kind of save their own skin. And so this clip picks up where his friends are debating that. And talking about that. And then we watch another one of his friends called Mary. And then you'll see the rest. So Jesus was executed. But then Jesus came back to life. And what was happening there was, uh, in those days they would bury somebody in a tomb. And so when his follower or friend Mary comes and sees the tomb empty, she freaks out. Maybe someone's stolen his body. And then, but then she meets Jesus And he's come back to life. And I know that this isn't an ordinary thing. You might be sitting there thinking, pfft, as if. But no no one believes that this is ordinary. No one thinks, oh yeah, this just happens. People come back to life. No, we know that that doesn't happen normally. But that's the whole point. It happened. And so the first followers of Jesus started scratching their heads going, hey, this changes reality. You know, people normally die and then they're done. And everything always seems like it's heading towards death. And if it's not literal death, it's falling apart. It's shattering. And life just seems to be like that sometimes. But something different has happened. Somebody has died. This Jesus has died and come back to life. And so then all of a sudden they had to change their view of the world and how the universe worked. They started to realize that death doesn't win, life wins. Because God is doing something new and he was doing it in Jesus. Remember what Jesus said? God's kingdom is coming. And God's kingdom is all about life. And God's kingdom is all about putting broken pieces back together. It's coming. Now here's a little bit of, something that's a little complicated. So bear with me as I try to explain that. Yesterday I mentioned that the Bible teaches that one day all those who believe will be brought back to life and all those imperfections in us, in our bodies, in our souls, in us as communities, all that will be ironed out and gotten rid of. We'll live in a perfected world. But we don't know when that'll be, someday off in the future, but what Jesus was saying is the kingdom of God, yeah, it'll fully arrive someday then and if you get involved in the kingdom now, you'll be there and it'll be great, but you don't have to wait. Because the kingdom of God begins right now. And that's kind of what Jesus coming back to life is all about. It's like saying the kingdom of God begins right now. And God putting people back together and pieces back together and fixing this place, that all begins right now. And so the question is, do you want to be a part of that? Do you want to be a part of this kingdom? Do you want to be a citizen in the kingdom of God and this new way of living that is all about the way that life wins and not death wins? If you do, the advice now is the same as it was back then. That's what Jesus said. This is what Jesus said, his own words. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Near. Repent and believe the good news. So if we want to respond, the response is to repent and believe. Now, repent is this old-fashioned word, and it means change direction, change your mind, change your life. And maybe you came to Easter camp, and you weren't conscious of God at all. You barely gave God any thought in your life. You were just doing your own thing. And maybe at this camp, you've started to rethink that. It's almost as if you've sensed God saying something to you like, hey, I'm here and I want you to be a part of my kingdom. And if that's the case, then you change your life and you start living a God-conscious life, a life where we're following Jesus' example. That's what it means to repent and believe. And that's my invitation to you guys too. If you haven't done that, and you want to do that, you want to be a part of the kingdom of God, then the the invitation is to repent and believe, to change direction. Tonight I want to give you that opportunity. And if you want to do that, if you want God to start piecing the broken bits of you back together, and you want to be a part of this big thing that God is doing in the world, of fixing it and putting it right, Eventually one day, once and for all, but even beginning right now, if you want to be a part of that, then we're really excited and I want you to invite you to do that. So if you want to do that tonight, what I'm going to do is get you to just to come forward over the next few minutes at any stage, feel free to just come forward and find a spot up the front. It could be right here, it could be off to the side. There are people sitting here, but if you find people coming forward and you're up here, just move back. And if you're a youth leader, and you see somebody from your group coming up, I would encourage you to just come up and stand with them. Because we've talked a lot this weekend about being one in a million, and we've focused on the one. But we're also part of communities. And so I want you to invite your community up. So if you come up, youth leaders, if you can, it could be messy, but I'd invite you to come up too. Do you want to be a part of the kingdom? Repent and believe. And if you want to mark that, if you want to do that tonight, then at any stage, just feel free to come forward. And while you're thinking about that, I want to tell you another story. It was a story about what Jesus saw his mission on earth as being. You see, Jesus described himself at times as being like a sheep farmer. And you know, we've talked in this this weekend about one in a million Jesus told a story to describe his own mission, which is a one in a million story. He actually, he was talking about a hundred, but the point is a big number. It could be a hundred or a thousand or a million. Jesus told the story of a hundred sheep. It said, you know, God is like this sheep farmer who loves his sheep so much that if one sheep got lost, if one sheep went off, and was off on its own and needed rescuing, that sheep farmer would leave all the other sheep and go after that one sheep. And there's a sense in which what Jesus was doing here on earth was a rescue mission. There's a sense in which we're all lost and we need to be rescued by God. We need to be rescued by Jesus. And Jesus cares about each and every one of us. And even if it was just the one, Even if it was just you that was lost, Jesus would come after you. And maybe this weekend you felt like God has been saying something to you. And now it's time for you to respond. And if you want to respond, if you want to say to God, yes, I want to be a part of that, then feel free to come forward. Come forward and say, I'm going to repent. I'm going to believe. I'm going to change direction and I'm gonna be a part of God's kingdom, a part of God's fix-it job, and I want God to start working on me. You know, on the first night, we talked about this whole idea that uh, God looks at us and says to each and every one of us, you are mine. Have you been hearing God say to you this weekend, You are mine. You may not hear it audibly, but maybe somewhere deep inside you, you hear God saying, You're mine. And don't worry about how other people have tried to give you stickers and and try to bring you down. Don't worry about what they think. You're God's. You are mine. And if you felt like God has been saying that to you this weekend, then I encourage you to respond like this Yes, God, I'm yours. So what I wanna do now is we're gonna pray. And uh, when we pray, what I want us to do is close our eyes. And as I pray, if you wanna respond this way by saying, yes God, I'm yours, then like I said before, just feel free to come forward. And as you come forward, what's gonna happen is youth leaders will come stand with you. And then once we're done, you'll be, um, Josh will come up and give you some instructions. And, um, and you'll be led away, and you'll get a chance to speak uh, one-on-one with some of your leaders and just kind of talk a little bit about what you're thinking about, and, um, and they'll pray with you and just talk with you about what this means to change direction and to be a part of God's kingdom and to say, yes, God, I'm yours. So let's close our eyes and let's pray. Jesus, this weekend is all about you. Easter is all about you. We want to thank you, first of all, for becoming a person, God. And we thank you that in that suffering on the cross, you show us that you care about us. When we've been crying, you've cried with us. And all the suffering that goes on in the world, you feel that. But you don't just feel it. You want to fix it. You want to heal it. And God, we're so thankful for that because there's so much that needs fixing. And perhaps there are some of us in this room tonight who have been sensing you talk to us and say something like, you're mine, and calling us to respond. God, we wanna respond with our lives because we're excited about the kingdom of God. And so we wanna say to you, yes, God, I'm yours. We wanna change direction in life we want to bring all our guilt and shame, all our heartbreak to you and say, fix this. And we know that that's not just a click of the fingers thing. We know that that's a process. But we want to be a part of that process. And not only do we want to be fixed ourselves, but we want to be a part of this job of, of your fixing the world, being uh, a messenger of love and, and uh, healing to the people in the world around us, God. And so to you, we say thanks. Thanks for this invitation of new life. And we thank you so much that Easter teaches us that death doesn't win, but that life wins.